Welcome back to Booze and Buffy, a podcast where we are watching and discussing every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Angel the Series, one by one. We will be spoiler-free of details of future episodes, but full spoilers on for episodes that we have already discussed. I'm Jason, and I did not see the Bob Hope classic, uh, because, you know, quite frankly, not a big golf fan. And I'm Harrison, and I too can make stunning leaps of logic to determine that that head is full of cockroaches. I mean, we, we had a stunning leap of logic on the last episode of Angel, so let's let's do it again. Uh, at least Fred's like a legitimate genius. So, uh, Jason, what episode are we watching today? We are watching Angel Season 3, Episode 5, Fredless. This is the one where Fred's parents show up. Uh, after having, you know, wondered where she's been for the past five years. And after a little bit of uh, panic by Fred, her parents eventually help Angel Investigations take care of a bug problem. Yes. Fredless was written by Mayor Smith and directed by Marita Grabiak. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. And it originally aired on October 22nd, 2001. Ooh, that's close to my birthday. So close to your birthday. Jason. Harrison. What are you drinking? Uh, How about some red wine? Red wine. We actually were very low on uh, liquor options. (laughs) We had no beer. We had... Uh, no, like, no liquors that really could be mixed together to make <laughs> any sort of good drink. And the wine box was, like, very low. So I was... It's turned into a dry county at the, uh, Kaufman Aurelius house. Uh, for, like, the only time ever. <laughs> um, alright, Jason, would you like to lead us in a toast? Sure, why not? Um... Yeah, you don't really have a choice. <laughs> I present it like it's an option, but um, here, here's to the lasting legacy of Dr. Martin Luther King, who we just celebrated this past Monday. Yes, cheers. <laughs> All right, let's talk about Fredless. Yeah, um, well, obviously, with her name being in the title, this is a big Fred episode. Big Amy Acker episode, and really good Amy Acker episode, too. Oh my god, the scene where she's reunited with her parents is like, I almost started crying. (laughs) No, it was really good. Um, I have some things, I have some qualms with this episode, but we'll get to it as we go through there. But I want to start off just right off the bat that this is a yet another fantastic performance from Amy Acker, Mm -hmm. who... If we we gush about all the time, yeah, you're gonna get real tired of hearing us. <laughs> yeah, so uh, Wes, Cordelia, Fred, and Gunn are doing inventory on uh, on the weapons because Angel did not like the way that the weapon cabinet looked. Um, you know, I thought Wes was supposed to be the boss. Something that Cordelia pointed out to him. Yeah. Angel is not there because he is out. Um, with, uh, as Fred describes it, the girl with the goofy name. (laughs) 
Um, yeah, so I, I alluded to it at the end of our last uh, podcast episode, but if you guys were very eager to see the Buffy Angel uh, re- reunion scene, that does not happen on screen. Yes. And it is not even really talked about on screen, uh, as Angel doesn't want to talk about it. He wants to get ice cream instead. Uh, this So this story... D- was written however it was written in comic book form yes i believe by jane espenson okay i didn't know that like i i think i think when i was originally watching the series i was interested in trying to find out like where the where that comic was if i could find it at all Mm -hmm. and uh i never got around to it um it doesn't really i I think i may have read like a plot synopsis online Mm -hmm. and it it doesn't have a lot of major impacts for either sto- either season's storyline. So yeah, I you know you made you made a mention of this last week that you were disappointed that we didn't get to see it. And I I kind of been like thinking about that in the week since we last recorded. And I'm actually kind of on the opposite side. I don't necessarily want to see their reunion. I. I I, don't, I mean, first of all, we were never going to get it because crossovers are are a no-no this season due to being on different networks um but i personally like i I don't know i feel like there's no way that it's gonna go where it isn't kind of melodramatic the way that um cordy and wesley are doing yeah and i prefer at this stage of Buffy and Angel's relationship, not dealing with that, I much prefer the reunion they had, the kind of low-key one they had in Forever, in season five. Mm-hmm. And I feel like you're, it's going to be one of those two things, and it's like, I'm over the melodrama, but, and we just have this, like, tender reunion. So I'm like, I'm almost like, just let me imagine it, and let it be what it is in my head, is how I feel. I wouldn't say I was disappointed that we didn't get it, but also, I admit that uh, I love me some melodrama. I mean... Fair enough. There's... <laughs> y- you can't watch, like, a WB or CW show without finding it. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> that's their bread and butter. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm not necessarily disappointed by it. Uh, and honestly, I think that the way that it's handled in this episode in particular uh, was was well done it just seemed a little weird like it it seemed a lot more subtle in both uh carpe at the end of carpe noctum and the beginning of this episode it's just that it seemed to be like a bigger thing at the end of flooded yeah and that's kind of i feel like that episode kind of built up it being important when in the end it like wasn't necessary it wasn't important enough to actually show on screen I think for that episode in particular, I think it's meant to illustrate that Buffy basically willing to drop everything to get away from her life. <laughs> like, in that situation, like, she doesn't even wait to, like, fix the front door. Um, so I think that's what it's meant to illustrate. And I think it does, but it also, at the same time, does set you up, like, Oh, we're as the angel, and then it's like, oh, we don't. And I literally, the first time I watched the show, thought I skipped an episode. I like had to go in and check. I was like, oh no, okay, not gonna see that. All right. <laughs> it was really funny. Uh, I-, I do have to say, Cordelia and Wesley acting out oh. the Buffy Angel relationship is a very 
there are a couple of fun meta moments in this episode. Uh, this being one of them that like, oh, yeah, let's totally make fun of what Buffy was. Which, I mean, hey, is still, in my opinion, the best part of Buffy. Oh, yeah. But, we can um, still, we can still yeah, yeah, ourselves. Yeah, and like I said, I, I'm here for the melodrama, but I also very much recognize when it is melodrama. Yes. Well, and it, it feels so real. Like that, it's like, you know, that, that like, your friend who you love dearly, but, like, they do that one thing that you're always just, like, we're gonna, we're gonna give them a little, a little bit of hell in a playful way. Oh, yeah. I um, mean, the only thing is, I do that all the time to your face. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I I'm, I'm a good friend. If uh, I'm making fun of you, <laughs> it is right in front of you. I love how, uh, like, I love their little play acting. It's very fun. They're charisma and... Uh, I said Wesley uh, and um, Alexis are very funny together. I was going to say Mr. Allison. <laughs> Mr. Allison. <laughs> They're very, very funny together. But my favorite part of it is Gunn, who is not an active participant, but he's just watching and just so delighted by yeah. like, he's such a great audience. For <laughs> Whereas like Fred is also watching, but she's like, she's more trying to figure things out. Like, Gunn yeah. is just, like, this is hilarious. Also, you know, I mean, despite the, uh, d- despite what happened at the end of Carpe Noctum, uh, Fred's obviously still got a little bit of a hang-up on Angel. Yeah. So, you know, she sees this epic romance played out, and, uh, but Gunn, he has no horse in this race. Yeah. So. <laughs> I love how she's, like, but she should love him back. Like, obviously, he's... He's strong and he's handsome and he listens when you talk. <laughs> I mean, I guess if you go for that sort of thing. <laughs> oh my uh, god! But yes, just as uh, just as the play acting reaches its apex moment, kiss me, bite me. <laughs> uh, Angel shows up and says, "Why don't you both bite me?" <laughs> um, and you know, everybody kind of want everybody, especially Cordelia, wants to know the tea, but Angel ain't spilling. He's like, you know what I want? I want some ice cream. A.K.A. I want to not be around you obnoxious assholes. <laughs> and I want to eat my feelings. I... <laughs> I'm going to invite the only person here who wasn't actively mocking me. <laughs> but yeah, and uh, and Fred is so ecstatic to get the... Uh, get get another chance to go out with Angel, um, get some ice cream. And uh, it's revealed, like, that they're walking in the sewer uh, because they had seen a Dursler beast uh, attack them while they were in Hagendas, And uh, so they decided to go and chase after him. Uh, and, you know, Angel's like, yeah, I could totally get this guy. And he wants to send Fred back to the... Uh, sitting back to the hotel like you know where it is she's like oh yeah like uh four four thousand meters this way and um uh and she's like yeah i I know know. sorry (laughs) i'm being a big nerd um just so you know like uh i very much noted fred's p uh ptsd because she talks about how the sewers are dark and damp and homey and that she wants to build a condo in them (laughs) (laughs) oh i love it um so, uh, a middle-aged couple, Roger and Trish, show up at the hotel, and they are looking for their daughter. Um, and so, you know, Cordelia and 
Cordelia and Wes are asking, and Gunn are asking questions like, uh, oh, was she kidnapped by a demon? Does she do any demon worshiping? They're like, no! What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> that is when they reveal that they had already hired an investigator um, because their daughter is, in fact, Winifred Merkel. Yeah, and yeah, they yeah. are Mr. and Mrs. Merkel. <laughs> like saying Burkle. Oh, uh, it's one word to say. And Winifred Burkle is a fun name. It really is. Um, speaking of Fred's name, uh, there is a great bit when after she refers to Buffy as the girl with the goofy name, and Wesley's like, well, Fred. <laughs> uh, but yes, and uh, uh, Roger um, explains that. Uh, they hired a private detective um, who found out, uh, who traced from a from an envelope with no return address that uh, a letter that Fred sent that oh um, she's living at this hotel in in L.A. with these people that they've never heard of. Gun is so he's impressed. impressed. Yeah, it's like, he's yeah, like, yeah, we could do that. We could totally do uh, that, right, sweetheart? No, you couldn't. <laughs> I love you all. I love I mean, you, but you're not very good detective. Yeah, <laughs> as is pointed out later in this episode. Um, but yeah, and they realize that uh, Fred, Ro- I don't know what Roger and Trish are not aware of you know the existence of demons, and so they're like, oh well, yeah. So Fred, Fred's here. She's been. She's been relocated and dealing with that. And uh, Fred does come in and, you know, she's like enjoying the last of her ice cream. But then she sees uh, her parents in the office and just gets spooked. And so she goes up into her room and... so the Buffy Buffy Wiggy's calling out to Gunn can't help but be impressed that the private detective traced them, <laughs> despite there being no return address on the envelope. Um, so then uh, they say that, oh well, yeah, Fred's here. She's just out with an associate. That associate walks in, and Angel. So I wrote this down specifically. I love it when Angel is like super excited about something. Yes, because you know, obviously, he tries to play it cool most of the time. But he, he comes in carrying that, uh, uh, I already forgot, the Dursler head. And he's like, you guys will not believe what happened at haagen Oh my gosh. He's like swinging it around. <laughs> and, it's like... and, and it's like, it's such a great prop. And uh, it, it's, it's so big. Yeah. <laughs> and it drips. And they have to immediately explain, again, in another meta moment, that like, Oh yeah, that's um, that's a prop that Angel picked up because he makes movies. Which hey, that makes sense. They're in L.A. <laughs> but why would he be working in this detective agency? Oh, <laughs> uh, the Scooby or the Fang Gang's almost as bad at lying as the Scoobies are. <laughs> well, I mean, so in all fairness, everyone in L.A with a couple of exceptions, seem to be aware that there are demons. Mm -hmm. I mean, people come to Angel Investigations specifically for paranormal investigations. And they normally don't have to lie. Uh, Whereas in Sunnydale, 
Despite the fact that it, the city's on a hell mouth, yeah, they should be more aware. Yeah, people should be more aware, but they often have to find themselves making excuses. And yeah, so I'm gonna give them a little bit of. I'm gonna give the. Is that do you call them the Fang Gang? Yeah, I like it. Yeah, I'll dig that. Um, I'm gonna give the Fang Gang a little bit of a little bit of a respite on that. Fair enough. Scoobies have no excuse. They they should be better at lying at this point. They're only yeah. good at lying when they're lying to each other about their emotional well-being. So uh, the uh, the Fang Gang, along with Fred's parents, go up to her room. And uh, however, she is not there. The ice cream wrapper is. And uh, so she's been there, but she's gone. And uh, obviously her parents are worried. They see that. They see all of her writing on the wall, and they're like, yeah, that's her handwriting, but what does it all mean? What it's gibberish. <laughs> and, I mean, in all fairness, if you if you know a physicist and you look at some of their physics writing, it's going to look like gibberish, because <laughs> we write some wacky shit, and we take up a lot of space. <laughs> I do remember one time I was, like, specifically working out this incredibly long... Uh, this incredibly long equation, like differential equation. And I remember taking up, like not trying to, but taking up almost an entire whiteboard oh, in wow. the, in one of the study rooms. And I'm like, oh my God, is this right? And, uh, and one of my friends came over like, does anything cancel out? And I'm like, and so I like started canceling stuff out and it got, the equation got way short. I'm like, yeah, but now I have to show all of this work on my paper. <laughs> I may have taken up a whole sheet of loose leaf just going through that one problem. Oh my god. Uh, yeah, d- differential equations and partial differentiation can be a uh, bit of a bit of a hassle and a bit of a like wrist cramper. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, the ga- uh, the gang is worried because. Fred never leaves the hotel without uh without her her big fat hero protector and at this point he's like you think I'm fat <laughs> <laughs> and um, however there is a there's a little bit of suspicion that possibly her parents are not who they appear to be mm-hmm. and I mean the episode definitely tries to give that impression yeah I love that. It's so funny because Cordy's like, there's something off about them. I don't know what it is. I can't put my finger on it. And like, in retrospect, it's like... It's because they're normal. Yeah, I was like, is it because they're decent parents and none of you have that? I mean, we don't know anything about Gunn's parents, but I mean, I would assume that they're... He never talks about them and along with all the others later on in the episode, talks like wistfully about how good the parents are, how good her parents are. So I can only assume... Either not good parents, or possibly they died when him and Alana were very young. Could be. But yeah, um, it definitely seemed like his family was his crew. Yeah. Um, we know Angel's dad sucked. Uh, we know Cordy's parents are in fucking jail. jail. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, we, we, we've had the hints of just how bad the, uh, the, the Wyndham Price relationship is. Yeah. Um, 
So yeah, of course, of course, this is going to seem weird to them. Um, and then I do love it from the other perspective of like everything shady that the Burkles are doing is actually je- them just being like, who the fuck are these people? What I mean, the fuck yeah, is going no, on? It, it, it is really funny. <laughs> I uh, love that when he's like, we almost called the police on you people. <laughs> like, which I'm guessing is, uh, you know, there's that moment when uh, Trish looks at Roger and says like, oh, should we do it now? And he's like, not yet. I'm betting that was like, let's call the cops. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> um, yeah. It's a good... Um, we're not there yet, but I actually do really like the quote-unquote twist because I, I don't think this episode would be memorable at all if it, if they were like evil or abusive in some way. It would have just been like... It would have been family again. Yeah. Like, um, but the fact that the reason she's running away is not because she's scared of her parents, but she, but because she's afraid of what seeing her parents means about the reality of her situation and her psychological state is so much more powerful. It is. Um, it, and yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah. So the gang tries to figure out where Fred would go. Um, and, uh, you know, guns suggest taco stands. Uh, and you know, in all fairness, that is the thing that Fred loves more than anything else in the world. You know, it's like it's like tacos, angel, <laughs> ice cream. Yes, everything else. <laughs> um, and, you know, everyone's giving him shit, but he's the only one coming up with ideas. <laughs> it's true, and you know, his ideas are just as valid as any of the other ideas that they come up yeah. with. Wesson's up decide that they should go to the library to look there. Angel says he's going to look underground because, oh, hey. Fred will feel comfortable there, which he already said in, the, in this episode. This is the part of the episode that drags a little bit for me. It, it just mm-hmm. seems to, it seems to take so long to, it, it meanders almost. It takes a long time to get to the eventual like train station scene or bus yeah. station scene. There's another scene later, like post bus station scene, that I also feel the same way about. It, I feel like this episode came in short. There, it, like, they needed to pad it out. There, there does feel like there's areas of padding, and like the search for Fred is part of it. And I, there's value in it of like dragging the Burkles across different locations to up their suspicion. But I feel like those sort of things could have been shorter. Yeah, and the, honestly, the whole library scene feels like a wasted scene. Yeah, it's like. Go to the library, she's not there. Cool. You know, the Burkles get more suspicious. But we spend so much time there. We do. And and I I don't want to be like, you all are shitty detectives again. But, like, it's so obvious Angel she would have gone... calls to... it out. Yeah. Because, yeah, no. Because here's the thing. They asked, oh, where would she go? They were asking the wrong question. They should have asked, who else does she know in the city? Which is literally just Lorne. Yeah. And so, they, if they had thought of that immediately, then they would have been like, oh, let's go to Caritas. Yeah. And Angel even says, as he's like, as he's on the phone in the sewer, like, where would she go for help and guidance? Of course. Yeah. Like, we call ourselves detectives. Yeah. Yeah, I, you shouldn't. <laughs> and Wesley kind of pays lip service for, like, well, you know, maybe her colleagues at the library, but like, Based on what we've seen and what they've said, like Fred has not contacted any of her pe- any of her friends from her old life. So um, 
I... Yes. <laughs> I was like, I felt like I had something to put, add on to that, but I, it's it, it's gone. Via, uh, Fred does indeed go to Caritas, uh, which is still a mess from the uh, attack by uh, Gunn's crew. And, uh, you know, Lorne isn't exactly in the receiving mood. He's wearing a terry cloth robe. <laughs> uh, but I love, he's like, oh, Fred, how you doing, honey? And uh, I love how she immediately just starts, like, chasing after him, going, row, 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 you out. <laughs> he's like, oh, my God, stop. Leave me alone. <laughs> I just want to get back to Judge Judy. Exactly. He is all about Judge Judy, which... I mean, I guess that I guess that would be a thing for like uh, I could totally see gay men being into Judge Judy at that oh, time. Oh yeah, she's an authoritative woman, <laughs> and she's got sassy one-liners. Now, I don't know about watching Judge Judy at night. I feel like that's daytime TV, but I'm sure maybe some reruns, yeah. some late night syndicate, not syndicate, um, syndication, syndication, <laughs> a late night Judge Judy syndicate. <laughs> oh man, that. That sounds like an awesome movie. <laughs> By day, she's a daytime television judge. By night, she runs the Yakuza. <laughs> judge Judy running the Yakuza. <laughs> it was the first, like, organized crime. That was written by a gay white man. I, I, I literally, I was like, I know, I was like, I can't think of another, like, organized crime. And then you couldn't like, think of the mafia. I, not until the joke was already said, <laughs> and then I remembered the mafia. Do you ever watch any Judge Judy? Um, it wasn't something that I like watch watched, but it was definitely like I remember it being on, um, at like my grandparents' house when I would like go visit them, like on days I didn't have school. Um, my grandma had um, she ran. A, uh, an upholstery business out of her garage uh, uh, when I was growing up. Um, she had like a whole shop set up in there and I would just like hang out in there and like play games and stuff. And um, yeah, sometimes just like we just have the TV on and like, yeah, it'd be like Judge Judy and like, you know, all those various date like maury and that sort of shit yeah jerry springer jerry springer yes i always remember um i never watched judge judy but i do remember the promos for judge judy uh-huh. and especially when uh right after her was judge joe brown uh-huh yeah and i specifically remember a promo that goes Judge Judy, Judge Joe, gonna let you know uh-huh. if you did a bad thing, bad thing, bad Yes. <laughs> My grandma loved Judge Joe Brown. Like, we didn't, like, Judge Judy was like, whatever, like, if it was on and I wanted to, like, watch cartoons or something, she'd be like, fine, switch it. But if Judge Joe Brown was on, no, that stayed on. Shut up, kid. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, and... Yeah, Lorne is really depressed after because of what happened in the uh, it, a few weeks ago. Uh, Fred even says like, "Oh, do you have another like massacre?" <laughs> like, no, just the first one. But yeah, and so Fred tries singing again, like, "Row, row, row, you folks!" So aggressive about it. I know it, it's so <laughs> funny. It's I'll never forget the first time that I saw that because I was wondering like. Uh, 
the very first time I watched the episode, I was wondering, like, why is she just randomly saying, row, row, row your boat? And then, like, I put it together, like, oh, she just wants to read from Lauren, like, right away. Um, but, yeah. Uh, and Lauren says, yeah, and, you know, Fred is, like, asking him for money. And uh, he's like, look, I understand why you're running away, uh, but I don't think you've run far enough. Which is an interesting thing to say. Yeah. It again, it again, like, is meant to provide a little more. It's a it's uh, a misdirect. Yeah, it's it's meant to like provide a little more shade on Fred's parents. Yeah, but it, for me, it doesn't work as a misdirect because I can't. I don't really understand what he actually means. I can't tell if he's just in a shitty mood, so he's giving her bad advice, like on purpose. I can't tell if maybe it's his own residual family stuff and and like stuff with Pylea, but that seemed to be resolved at the end of season two. I don't. I, I, I just guess, don't get it. So from from what thinking about what Lauren says, especially to Angel, that this is a very touchy subject. It can get messy, and I think it's just the dealing with the PTSD. Um, I mean, in the end, it, like, kind of works out fine and wraps up fairly nicely, but it's not, it's not a great progression of events. Yeah. Um, It's a strange, it's a strange thing to come from Lorne. Yeah. Um, The gang does eventually get get to Caritas. Uh, Angels left the sewers after being followed by a big old bug. Big old bug. Yeah. When they get there, he really gives, like, the stink eye to Gun, and Gun's like, maybe I should wait outside, and Lauren says, yeah, you know, I'm, I don't hate that idea. So, yeah. I mean, at least there's a little bit, even though, like, you know, nobody else seemed to remember this thing that happened, because, uh, you know, I think for everybody else it was forgive and forget, yeah. but, you know, I'm glad that there's a little bit of continuity there. Yeah. And, you know, Lauren's still like, hey, man. Yeah. And, I mean, Gunn is partially responsible for what happened. And I think he recognizes Mm -hmm. that. He doesn't try to, like, defend himself. He's just like, yeah, I'll just remove myself from the situation. I mean, I'm mad that it's making me think of that terrible episode. But, (laughs) yes, I can. I I do. I I very much appreciate that this, you know, I appreciate the show's memory. But yeah, and, uh, you know, when Fred and Trish see Lorne, uh, Cordy's like, oh, you know, Lorne, he, like, works with Angel in the movies, and, uh, he just come from a, sh- he just came from a shoot, and, uh, and, you know, they're just like, oh, it's this guy with makeup and fake horns, and, you know, Lorne's just like, you know what, no! Yeah. The only makeup I'm wearing is a little eyeliner. The Lauren's absolute refusal to go along with her lie is peak pettiness. Probably because it's a bad lie. Too. Uh, yeah, but I just like he's so petty, and I'm so I'm I'm so happy for him for that little bit of revenge he can get on them. Yeah, and you know, Angel kind of puts together that uh, Lauren knows where Fred is. And, you know, Lauren tries to write off, like, you know, everybody comes in here, it's me, me, me. What about me? <laughs> He's like, you know where you know where she is. Like, yes. So, Fred is at the bus station. A.K.A. the Hyperion Lobby. Yes. 
It's with not a, even with like a bush and a bench. <laughs> it's not even. They didn't even try to disguise it better. <laughs> but you can even see this top of the stairs at, a, at like a certain angle. I mean, I don't mind. I get no, it. No, like, yeah, like it, it totally a, makes sense, but. It's also very obvious that, you know, we're, we're going to poke fun at yeah. it. Um, Fred is just basically talking to herself, trying to reassure that she's doing the right thing. Um, she even starts, uh, like, uh, reciting uh, digits of pie um, as, like, kind of a comfort tool. Uh, the homeless man that was sitting on the bench next to her, like, looks at her and is like, this girl's insane. Yeah, she's like, Just... I'm not dangerous, I promise. <laughs> um, but then, like, uh, the gang shows up. Fred sees her parents. And as we've kind of already alluded to, she just starts breaking down because, more or less in her words, she says, if I didn't see you, then everything that happened in Pylea was just a story. But seeing you means that it was real. All of it was real. Yeah. And basically, you kind of see this, again, this PTSD that Fred has been struggling with all kind of foment up there. Yeah. She's she's done such a good job of compartmentalizing that. Um, she's, you know, she uh, she consistently uses this story fairy tale metaphor um and it's it becomes clear that this is like her coping mechanism she can pretend you know it was all just a fairy tale and she got rescued and now she's in her happily ever after and as she tells angel later she just went and found herself in another cave to hide in Mm -hmm. instead and um what gets me about the speech i mean it's just first of all it's very well written it's like a great speech it's um it, it, amy does an amazing job yeah it's it's one of those speeches that is it's one of those monologues that is perfectly written for the character yes yeah it's a, yeah exactly it's a perfect marriage of character actor and writing and then when she just breaks down at the end and just keeps repeating i got so lost is so sad and like um but at the same time I'm really grateful that she's able to have this cathartic moment and for that she has her loving, wonderful parents there to comfort her. Like, see, yeah. I'm like, I am really torn on this episode in general <laughs> because it's got its highs. It's got its highs. It, it does. It's got like, some love. This is, I feel like given what I know about what happens in this season, like the overall season storyline, I can totally understand why this wasn't later in the season mm-hmm. because there's so going to be so much other stuff going on. Yeah. We've still got pregnant Darla looking yeah, out there somewhere. Um, but the, the I feel like this would have overall worked a little later on in the series mm-hmm. because you know um, in a in a couple scenes uh, Fred's going to decide to leave. And there's going to be, like, this farewell scene, which, you know, Amy Acker as Fred has done a good job of, like, becoming a presence on the show. But I don't think there was as much emotional heft to that scene because, again, we're only, what, uh, six episodes into this season? Five. Five. Yeah. 
And, um, you know, we just met Fred at the end of the last season. So if we had had a whole season of them interacting with Fred, then mm-hmm. scenes like her deciding to go back to Texas would have had a little more weight to it. Um, the PTSD could have been her arc. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like they could have, they had enough material and Fred's been written fairly smartly that they could have made it last a little longer. And then it could have been this bigger moment at the near the end of the season, mm-hmm. not necessarily at the exact end of the season. Yeah. Well, and there's like, there's no real weight to the idea of her leaving. Yeah. Because it's five episodes in and she's in the main credits. It's uh-huh. like, yeah, you know, and I mean, I say that with, you know, Doyle being killed off after nine episodes, but like, that's, I never, it's a different case. I never fully believed, even the first time I watched it, that Fred was going to be gone. I was like, something's going to, something's going to bring her back. What this episode, and what this episode does do that I think is important for it to do early on is really like not necessarily define what Fred's role in the group is, but to assure her that she has a role in the group. Yeah. But see that, that stuff kind of feels like shoehorned into everything else that this episode attempts to do. Like you could do that early on exactly around this point in the season, but then have this like trauma confrontation and possibly leaving angel investigations that could happen later. Yes, I agree yeah. wholeheartedly. Yeah, with that. but I think, I think at this point they just kind of want to wrap up any lingering stuff with Fred before we move into yeah. the big story of the season. Yeah, because as much as I love this scene and this speech and the catharsis of it, it is kind of basically like, and she's cured now. Like, yeah. And I mean, listen, it's TV, but yeah. um, but you're right. It is pretty easy. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, while Fred, but, you know, like, Fred realized that her parents are there, they hug, embrace, and then the big old bug shows up, and Angel claims he can, he can totally take care of this. Uh, he can't. He gets, he gets his, he gets his ass, ass thrown ass. out of the bus station. I like this bug. I think it looks cool. It is cool. There are a couple of, uh, shots of it that um like the prosthetics are overall really good but there are a couple of shots especially when the the other bugs come to the hyperion mm-hmm. that oh that um, looks terrible yeah um and it's clear that the puppet itself doesn't have a lot of mobility so they're they're filming around what the thing can do with like quick cuts and edits which is fine by me yeah but the actual just like design and puppet and or it's either a puppet or some sort of costume or possibly a little bit of both. But yeah. I think it looks good. Yeah, no, it does. It's it's kind of like, so, um, this, around this time, like in a couple months, we're going to get the release of Lord of the Rings, Fellowship of the Ring. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that the Lord of the Rings trilogy, especially Fellowship of the Ring, is kind of like the moment like this peak moment where practical effects were still being used mm-hmm. and being used extremely well, but 
special effects were just starting to get really good. Yeah. Like CGI. And Lord of the Rings is famous for using both and uh, using it incredibly well. Um, so I think, uh, you know, one big thing that people like knock the Hobbit movies for is uh, the fact that, like, there's a little too much reliance on CGI. That mm-hmm. doesn't look as good as yeah. the original. And, like, a lot of that CGI in The Lord of the Rings holds the fuck up. Not all of it, but, like, I mean, it's The motion impressive. capture with Gollum? Fantastic. Looks so good. But, yeah, like, so it, we're at the moment where if you have the movie budget yeah and again it is movie budget you can do great things with both practical and cgi before like you know maybe like five years from like mid 2000s is when you know cgi starts becoming a bit of a crutch for the blockbuster movie mm-hmm. industry but uh on tv obviously the CGI that we've seen in both Buffy and Angel, not great. Often quite bad. Yeah. Um, the practical always wins out Yeah, in, uh, in that. And I would argue that... I do have to say, I think... Because um, right around this time is also when Smallville started airing. Mm-hmm. And I think that Smallville may have had some of the best CGI effects... Um, on available on TV at that moment. Yeah, it's it definitely. They, they do now. Listening to their podcast, I have heard that like they still utilize as much practical effects as they could, but you know their CGI actually doesn't look too bad. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's absolutely dated, but like. Well, yeah. I mean, comparing for the most it, part, it comparing yeah. it now. Yeah, but as opposed to things like. Well, like this. Um, and yeah, like, no, yeah. Look at look at an episode of Buffy or Angel um, from these seasons and compare it to an episode of Smallville. Yeah. Um, aired the same time, but Smallville looks a whole lot better. Yeah. I got that money. But, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was very much meant to be a flagship title for the WB after losing after losing uh, after losing Buffy. So. Um, yeah, uh, the, uh, fortunately, uh, there was somebody who, there was like a traveling athlete and they were able to, uh, grab some of the bus luggage and in there was a bow and arrow as well as a golf club. I think the bow and arrow came from the car. Gunn has a line where he's, he mentions checking the car for weapons. Oh, okay. Um... But it is, like, it's really fast, and then they make a point of showing Wesley and Cordelia finding the, the golf clubs. Yeah. So it's like, if you don't hear that line, it's very easy to be like, to be like, Why, where the fuck did Gunn get that? <laughs> but I do believe the, the bow and arrow belonged to Angel Investigations. Okay. There is a moment where uh, the bug is attacking uh, Angel, and Fred tries to uh, come after it with the, uh, with the golf club. Um, her uh, her dad ends up saving her by throwing a trash can at the bug. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's a good good on um good on Roger. Uh, however, like they can't really beat the bug until Trish drives a bus 
right over it. Oh, it was so gooey. I loved it. It really was. And, and I, once and I again, loved, like, Fred gets a face full of demon goo. <laughs> but, you know, this is sentimental demon goo. <laughs> right? But it is really funny how um, I honestly completely forgot about Trish. And I thought, like, oh, is that going to be, like, Cordelia or something? And uh, did Cordelia get a kill? But no, it was Trish. And, like, you know, that that's... Hell yeah. That's good writing. <laughs> See, I had forgotten that's how the demon was killed until Trish tells Cordy, like, earlier in the episode that she's a bus driver. Oh, okay. And yeah. I was like, that when she said that, I was like, oh, yeah. Well done. Chekhov's bus. I, lo- I also really love Cordy's. Well, I've never ridden on a school bus. <laughs> God like, damn rich girl. <laughs> I, I know I literally was about to be like not even like on a field trip, but like um she Cordy's definitely that kid who's who whose parents drove them to the field trip slash like when she was old enough just drove on her own to the yeah. field trip. Um assuming Sunnydale High took field trips. I mean we know they do. We know they went to the zoo and <laughs> Xander got possessed, and they know they went to the museum, and Xander met an Inca mummy girl, and um, what I'm saying is don't go on field trips or something bad will happen to Xander. (laughs) (laughs) Or, you know, hopefully Dracula doesn't come to town. Right. Um, So, uh, at the hotel, um, you know, uh, Fred gets patched up, followed by Angel, and Fred Angel's delight when it's his turn for a patch up. I mean, honestly, it seemed like he'd been listening to you talk about how much you love those All right? scenes. Right? It felt very, it felt very for me. I just love, you know, multiple stab wounds. Angel, your turn. <laughs> Un- unfortunately, we do not get the appearance of David Borean No, no. Uh, but you know, guys, it's gonna happen again. Listen, Don't worry. It's inevitable. <laughs> But uh, obviously they're filling um, Fred's parents in on what really happens on the show. And, uh, you know, they think that it's like, hey, you know, that's pretty, uh, they're pretty cool about it. Um, they, uh, a- as angels want to do, he uh, he bonds with the old man. Because <laughs> <Yep. laughs> he himself is a really old man. Yep. Uh, Trish is telling uh, Cordy how much he, Roger, loves those alien movies, um, except that last one, which put him to sleep, which for listeners in the know at this point, that last one would have been Alien Resurrection, um, which was written by Joss Whedon. Mm-hmm. Um, and listen, <laughs> you can say a lot of things about Alien Resurrection and you're they've correct. all been said. They've all been said, and most of them are correct. <laughs> but I don't know how that movie could put you to sleep because it is bonkers town. <laughs> like, Especially if, like, if you're really into those movies. Yeah, I love Alien Resurrection. It is one of the stupidest films ever made. But like, and Sigourney Weaver is giving a performance that is like way better than the film deserves. <laughs> um. But I just, I have unparalleled delight anytime I watch that movie, just because it is one of the wildest rides. Um, um, I also just love every Alien movie, even the bad ones. Yeah, and unfortunately there are quite a few Actually, of Actually, except for Alien vs. Predator uh, Requiem. 
I think I might like it more if I could physically see it. But that movie is so fucking dark. Do you like uh, Prometheus? I, ooh, I almost... Because I really don't like Prometheus. I almost... Like, I, I want to like Prometheus. That movie is like, like... That movie's not fun stupid. It is frustratingly yeah, stupid. It's, it's really... It's really obvious that... Uh, Damon Lindelof was being dictated a lot of things by Ridley Scott. Because I look at that screenplay and I go, Damon... This ain't you, baby. <laughs> um, this has Ridley Scott written all over it. Um, so, but I want to like it because it has cool ideas in it. But it is—it's a rough go. I like Alien Covenant, though. I liked Covenant. It, it was a—it was a fun remake of uh, Aliens. Yeah. I mean. But uh, anyway, um, you know, and Fred is like talking about. Um, like oh yeah angel's just the hero of the group mm-hmm. and you know wes is the brains guns the muscle and cordelia's the heart and i'm there can be two brains wes or gun or fred you <laughs> 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 didn't even say a female character's name well her <laughs> name's fred it's an easy mistake to make i don't know uh I love, I love, um, Cordy, it's just, it's a little moment, but there's just this, when Fred calls Cordy the heart, Cordy, like, looks up and just smiles. Honestly, the, just everybody's reaction to what she says, because, you know, nobody really, I, I mean, Angel Investigations is a band of misfits, Mm -hmm. and nobody really gets them. Sorry, I'm like in a I'm in a musical right now and one of the songs in it is called Nobody Gets Me. So nice. all I can think of is like that song now. But <laughs> um, you know, nobody sp- has been as close to Angel Investigations as Fred has been. And I feel like maybe even just a couple of episodes ago if she had said all of that, they would have been like, "Oh, Fred being such a nerd." But they <laughs> like when like they see that and they each feel like really great that that's mm-hmm. how they're seen by her yeah and unfortunately fred does not see herself in that pattern so that's when she decides that she wants to go back home to texas with her parents her parents are delighted but everybody else is a little sad yeah um angel uh when angel's talking with fred in her room like you said before she's like yeah you know i just built myself another cave yeah. and uh and this time he can't save her from it. Mm-hmm. She's got to do that herself. So, uh, so then, uh, Fred, Fred, like, you know, says her goodbyes to everybody. And, uh, again, I've already talked about this. There doesn't seem to be a whole lot of weight here, yeah. even though it like, it, it feels like it was meant to be a very sentimental scene. Yeah. It's honestly of all the sentimental scenes in this episode, it's the least powerful one. Yeah. And it, like... Yeah. And, uh... They're driving to, um... So they're in a taxi cab. And, uh... And, you know, Fred gets a little upset when she hears that, uh... Her room was rented out. (laughs) Um... And, uh... They're like, well, you were in an alternate dimension! And, and, uh, like, the cab driver's like, what the fuck? And and then Trisha's like, well, she was! (laughs) Oh, gosh. Uh, just shout out to, uh, the actors playing, uh, 
Roger and Trish. Roger and Trish. Um, that's going to be Gary Grubbs and Jennifer Griffin. I know Gary Grubbs from... I know I've seen him in at least one other thing. Probably more. Yeah, I recognize him from... Uh, I think he had a recurring role in the first uh, first season or two seasons of Will and Grace. Okay. Um, he played Will's boss, I believe. Um, but yeah, I'm just looking at his IMDb. There's, um, there's a ton of, uh, ton of stuff on here. Um, and I don't recognize, uh, uh, Mrs. Burkle, but she's also very good. Um, when Fred is like opening up her, uh, Fred, like, opens up her backpack. She had made the joke that, uh, like, she had changed in... Like, she obviously had showered after uh, getting attacked by that... Getting the bug guts all over her. Um, but she, like, held on to the shirt because, you know, it's, like, sentimental. <laughs> However, when she's, like, looking at it, she notices that there are... That there's a little bit of crystallization happening. And she's like, oh, we have to go back. <laughs> we have to go back, Kate. <laughs> <laughs> Um, meanwhile, the, uh, gang are lamenting, uh, they're, they're just kind of sitting around talking about how much they're going to miss Fred. Um, they move her contraption that has been talked about a couple of times, uh, where they're not sure if it's like a, a catapult, a, a toaster, a toaster, <laughs> could, be, could be just about anything. Um, and, uh, you know, they're all really sad and they also, and however, Cordelia talks about how much she's going to miss, uh her parents uh, and you know everybody starts talking about how great those parents were like wow it's so strange to have loving parents and Wes gets a little too personal about Dude, it it's, it's yeah sad. Uh, don't worry guys there is going to be an episode with uh, Mr. Wyndham Price eventually um, um, this is another mild scene spoiler. <laughs> uh, this is another scene that uh feels like padding to me it not went on for a while while like not the whole scene like it started off fine i was like i don't mind a bit of a the gang talking about their feelings but by the time cordelia's pretending not to care that fred is gone and then i was just like okay come on let's wrap this up i feel like some some of these scenes that felt like padding could have been used to maybe have like maybe a, a brief little scene of fred like reading about the Dursler demon and like like little things that would have helped connect her just stunning leap in logic over the um yeah it's know. like you know we, we have to resolve things in a 42 minute episode but also at the same time it feels like we could have done a lot more with these 42 minutes yeah um the uh Notice that, like, the there's like this weird thing happening inside the Dursler head, which is just like you know, hanging on the it. Remember, Angel brought this back because he wanted to mount this, yeah, <laughs> he was so happy about it. But it's just kind of like sitting on the front desk at the moment, but there's like starts bulging and everything. And uh, the re oh, uh, before I get into what happens next, uh, somebody I think it was I think it was either Wes or Angel said, referred to referred to fred as the nice quiet kind of crazy yeah. it was angel because he said like yeah she was a nice quiet kind of crazy to have around and and i remember cordelia saying like 
I'm sorry. Like, what about me? And and I almost thought Angel was going to say, like, quiet. Yeah. <laughs> I, um... You know, it's funny, though, because he says that. I wonder if he's like... She kind of reminds me of Drusilla, but, like, in a much more chill way. Yeah, <laughs> more than likely not going to murder you. Yeah, most likely not. Oh, or eat a puppy. <laughs> <laughs> Here he comes. In the sunshine. <laughs> oh. Um, but, uh, however, like, uh, the bug demons arrive in mass. And uh, there's just so many more of them. However, uh, when the gang is about to start fighting, um, Fred and her parents walk in. Fred activates the axe thrower, and it uh, and it immediately just busts open the Dursler head. And inside are a bunch of like I don't want to say maggots or whatever, I but they, I think they were roaches. They were roaches, like little yeah. baby roaches. And uh, the and so like you know the demons, the bugs see that, and then they just. Uh, and then they leave. The peace. Yep. You're just coming uh, for the babies. Apparently, Fred was able to say that um, the demon, the bug demons, had led the, laid the eggs in the Dursler's head. The Dursler, having eggs in his head, freaked the hell out and was going, like, above ground. Um, and then uh, when, like, the one at the bus station was either the mother or the father... When it was killed, uh, the rest of the hive decided to find out where the offspring was. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, she figured all that out right then. I mean, you know, Fred is Fred is super smart. Yeah, but uh, that is a little bit of a leap, <laughs> especially because the reason that she kind of put it all together was the crystallization on the blood of the that that was on her shirt is the same sort of crystals that they saw when they first found the Dursler. Yes. Um, at the way back at the beginning of the episode. And the Dursler had some on his on the skull yeah. as well. But uh yeah. Which I mean, you know, Fred is the only one who noticed. Like you do yeah. see her like physically touching them. It's not the connection between the three that's like that outrageous. It's the very specific egg thing. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, and, you know, everybody's like, wow, just amazing. Like, your ingenuity and your deductive reasoning, fantastic. And so Fred realizes that she has a place Aww. in Angel Investigations. And she wants to stay, and her parents are totally cool with that. In fact, they even help paint her room. Um, and you have this delightful scene at the end, I, I love this scene because it, it's like I can just imagine it being like, a, you know, when you're a kid and, um, you know, you're helping your parents out with something and then like your friends are over too. Yeah. And, uh, you know, your your parents are playing referee, and <laughs> like get into like an argument with a friend and then like, you know. Um, you got one of your friends bonding with your dad. It's it's all very much one of the most relatable scenes in Angel, mm -hmm. but it's also got all of like the fun, the fun aspects of Angel, like Wes and Gunn arguing over how to paint a room, uh, and you know Trish being like, "Now boys, no fighting," and Angel and <laughs> Angel and Roger agreeing that Spiro Agnew was a demon. <laughs> Which, and for those of you who don't know, 
Spiro Agnew was the vice president to Richard Nixon. Um, He is the robot body. Checks out to me. He's the the robot body that uh, accompanies the head of President Nixon in Futurama. I didn't realize that. Oh, yeah. Like, no, because it kills me every time... uh, Every time, like, you know, Nixon's like, Agnew, take, pick me up. And, like, it, there's no head on that robot, so it's like... And, um, and then Fred sees a, a drawing of her and Angel on a horse because she talks about how the first time that she saw Angel was like, you know, he was coming in to save her and he was on a horse. But she decides to paint over... Well, she paints over it. Kind of like showing that... Hey, I, I recognize the trauma, but I'm leaving it behind. Yeah. And that is Fredless. Fredless. So Harrison, what do you think? Uh, it's a it's a, it's an okay episode. It's got some really high highs, and I think in particular that centerpiece monologue from uh from Amy Acker is just standout. Um, the introduction of Roger and Trish, I love them. It is so nice to have good parents on screen who aren't Joyce, um, like for once. Um, I mean, they're not they're not going to be regulars though, so yeah, don't get a, don't get too excited. I, I'm still excited to to get to see them for this episode. Um, I uh, I like the demon design. I like I, I like all of the interplay between the cast members, particularly like at the end. That um, I just I like scenes where they just get to be together, mm-hmm. you know, even if it doesn't necessarily um, pertain to like the ongoing plot. I just I like these characters and their chemistry. Um, likewise, the scene at the big, very beginning. Um, but yeah, it's padded to hell and back. Like there are so many extraneous scenes. It really felt like this episode came in short and. Um, and it does, you know, the, the padding does drag it down. Um, uh, but generally, I mean, it's it's not a bad episode by any means. I'm going to give it um, three toaster axes out of five. Yeah, you kind of just uh, kind of said everything that I wanted to say. I mean, just uh, good performances all around, especially by Amy Acker. Um and I will also give it uh, three haagen cones out of five. Lovely, lovely. I'm so excited that I'm actually keeping track of our scores now. Yeah. Because I'm looking forward to uh, doing some stats at the stats. end of the year. Um, I just need to go back and listen to our previous uh, episodes from this season and write those scores down. Beautiful. Um, but yeah, like this... Uh, uh, like I look and like last week in uh, the last Angel episode, we both gave it twos, and I'm like, ooh, that's rough. But then the <laughs> one before that was that old gang of mine, and I'm, I honestly don't even remember if like did we give it one? I think or we gave that one 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 or point five maybe. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, it was rough. Like that's gonna bring down the average quite a bit. <laughs> but um, but yeah, guys, that was Fredless. Um, what did you all think? Yeah. Um, and uh, if there's nothing else to say. Harrison, would you like to take us out? Yes. All right. Thank you for joining us on Booze and Buffy. We will be back next week with Buffy, with Buffy Season 6, Episode 5, Life Serial. That is not 
the cereal called Life. But man, that's a good cereal. Uh, it is. We, we can't get on another cereal tangent, Jason. Oh yeah, we did that last time. <laughs> uh, but cereal like a series of things. Yes, or that popular podcast that everybody freaked the hell out over. Oh yeah. Uh, I'm Jason. You can find me on Instagram at yamij357. And I'm Harrison. You can find me on Instagram at Harrison Alexander Kaufman and on Twitter at Harrison Kaufman. That's spelled C-O-F-F-M-A-N. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Booze and Buffy. Or you can email us at boozeandbuffy at gmail.com. The and is spelled out in all of those instances, A-N-D. And don't forget to subscribe and rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. And each week we like to give a shout out to a worthy charity or nonprofit. This week we're highlighting Evidence Action. Evidence Action scales evidence-based and cost-effective programs to reduce the burden of poverty for hundreds of millions of people. Their approach fills the gap between research about what works and solutions for people in need. They operate in nine countries across the globe and positively impact the lives of hundreds of millions of people every year in a measurable way. Visit www.evidenceaction.org for more information. And as always, go slay and be gay. Toodles. Bye.